This podcast is supported by Amber Road, the world's leading provider of on-demand global trade management software and solutions. Amber Road's single on-demand platform automates and streamlines processes for import, export, global logistics, foreign trade zones, and trade agreement management by helping organizations comply with country-specific trade regulations, as well as plan, execute, and track global trade. Amber Road enables goods to flow unimpeded across international borders in the most efficient, compliant, and profitable way. And now, on to the podcast. Supply chains are all about diversity, except maybe when it comes to hiring and promoting leaders in the field. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Today I'm talking to Lynn Terrell, Senior Vice President of Global Supply Chain and Strategic Accounts with Avnet, the big distributor of electronic components, computer products, and embedded technology. She is an 18-year veteran of the electronics industry with deep expertise in managing global supply chains for global customers. But is she representative of women in the field? Despite her individual accomplishments, studies show that women continue to be underrepresented and underpaid, not only in supply chain management, but in the larger business world as well. Terrell talks about her personal experience and career path and offers a candid assessment of the opportunities for skilled female professionals. She also tackles the sensitive question of whether men and women possess different skill sets for supply chain management. So here is my conversation with Lynn Terrell. Well, Lynn Terrell, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Bob. Let me start by, uh, I guess, with the personal question of asking about your history in supply chain and how you came into your current position. Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I have actually been in the electronics distribution industry for about 19 years. And during that time, I've held a number of different roles with increased responsibility, primarily for account management, as well as supply chain solutions development and implementation. I actually started in the industry as an inside salesperson for Wiley Electronics in Minneapolis and moved to an account management role within about 18 months. I had the opportunity to relocate to Munich, Germany in 1997, and it was at that time that I joined the European distributor EBV Electronic as a supply chain specialist. I actually lived in Germany uh, for a total of eight years, and over the next few years, I took on responsibility for some of the larger accounts at EBV as a corporate account manager, in addition to the role of a supply chain specialist. Uh, 
Avnet acquired EBV in 2001, and that was when I joined the Avnet organization and assumed responsibility for the Avnet European corporate account management team, the supply chain solutions team, our business migration team, and our EDI, or electronic data interchange team for Avnet in Europe. I spent an additional four years after the acquisition of EBV working for Avnet in Europe and relocated to Phoenix in 2005. And at that time, I assumed the role of Director of Global Business Management uh, with responsibility for a few of Avnet's largest global customers. And it was at this time that although my career was progressing in what I felt was a positive way, I also decided that it would be beneficial if I went back to school and received my MBA. And this was really because of the growing importance that I saw of the supply chain and the overall strategy within a business organization. I wanted to ensure that I kind of kept growing my skills and knowledge necessary to continue to advance my career and bring value to the organization. And so I attended the W.P. Carey Executive Management MBA program at Arizona State University. I started in 2008 and I graduated in 2010. In 2011, I was promoted to Vice President of Avnet United. I assumed my current position in July of 2013 as Senior Vice President, Global Supply Chain and Strategic Accounts. And this role includes responsibility for the Avenue United Global Organization that I just spoke of, but it also includes responsibility for the Avnet Velocity Organization. Okay, but let me let me focus in on you personally again and take you back to the early stage of you just of that very very long and impressive resume. There was a moment in your description at which you said you moved from account management into supply chain, and you kind of glossed over that a little bit, but that was a crucial move, I think. And I, mm-hmm. and like so many other people in supply chain today, that wasn't on your radar screen when you first entered the business world, was it? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. And, and it really wasn't. And in fact, it was at that time when I moved from uh, Minnesota to Munich, and I interviewed with EBV about the, their capabilities. The U.S. was a little further advanced in their supply chain Strategies, and this was in 1997. So when I when I went to Europe, they were just at that cusp of developing new supply chain strategies in response to customers' requests. So based upon my history of working with some large contract manufacturers as an account manager in the states, they utilized me to look at how we could develop supply chain programs to support the European customer base that was actually just moving in that direction at that time. You didn't have actual supply chain management experience at that time. Was it a lot of on-the-job training in order to kind of immerse yourself in that? Yes, it was It was definitely on-the-job training as an account, both as an inside salesperson and as an account manager. I was look, calling after one of the largest Uh, contract manufacturers in the market, and they had developed some advanced capabilities at that time. They were using EDI for transmission of data. We had some bonded stock programs where we were starting to do forecast management. 
So what today we would consider some very standard and basic supply chain programs, at that time they were starting to be very innovative, and they hadn't really hit that European market at that time. So I, when I, when I moved to Germany and joined the organization, I had some skills and knowledge that was, wasn't part of my formal education, but certainly on-the-job training of how to benefit and, and develop solutions that could support that. And I'll, one interesting thing that took place when I actually uh, joined EBV, because the supply chain solutions were just starting to be developed, they, I trained in each department within the organization. So I spent two weeks picking parts in the warehouse. I spent two weeks uh, putting parts on a tape and reeling machine. I spent a few weeks with our customer service department and a few weeks with the export department. And it was really gaining uh, an understanding of all of the roles within the business that are impacted by a supply chain program. How great it was that you were in a company that was willing to give you that multidisciplinary experience on the job. But mm -hmm. supply chain programs today are so much more formalized. There's so many more of them out there. I wonder if it would be quite different today. If you were trying that today, do you think you could have gotten that far without an MBA if you were, if you were working that way in today's environment? I, I really do not, and that that's one of the reasons. I was older when I went to back to get my MBA. I did that in 2008, and it was one of, because of the progression of, of the industry and where supply chain has come, where it used to be considered more of just the cost of doing business or how product was moved within an organization, it's really become more of a strategic differentiator. And it was at that time, you know, when I, you kind of realize as I had moved and progressed within the supply chain discipline that the opportunities to continue to grow and, and bring value would be enhanced by a more rounded uh, business education that yeah. the MBA was then able to provide. Also, you describe what sounds like a very smooth path from one job to another, from one responsibility to the other. Did you find, did you, did you face any gender discrimination? I, I imagine there were not a lot of women in the company or anywhere doing what you were doing. Did you find any problems in that regard, or was it just a, were the doors open to you all the way to your current position? You know, it's, it's funny. Sometimes when I look back, it, it does look like... Uh, if I, I couldn't have planned it any better with regards to how the job functions rolled into one after another and how they've enhanced my skill set. Um, but to be honest, I looked at it, those opportunities just presented themselves, and, and I happened to have the skill set and the desire to take advantage of those. And I did not in my career ever really experience any gender discrimination. In fact, in some cases, I think that um, it might have been the opposite because very often when, when you're in supply chain management, and especially in, in Europe during those that time that I was working there, it almost felt like I got the feeling from people that they must think I really must know what I'm doing if I'm in this <laughs> meeting. 
you know. <laughs> so it was probably a little bit of of the uh, opposite in which it, it probably benefited me. But I've been fortunate, and, and maybe it's just the culture within the organization that I've been in with Avnet and, and prior to that EBV, that it's always been a culture of promoting the most talented person for the role. But you didn't have uh, to fall back on a network of other women who were executives or a female mentor. A lot of women today talk about how important that was for them in, in their jobs. Nothing like that was available to you? You know, I, I actually did have uh, a mentor, a female mentor. She was, when I was working at Wiley Electronics, she was the division manager. And when I actually had the opportunity to relocate to Munich, Germany, um, I stayed in touch with her and still to this day uh, use her as a mentor. Now, she, her career, um, you know, was at the division manager level was the the level that she achieved. But I would say that she definitely understood and was a good sounding board for me throughout my entire career when it comes to being a woman in a very male-dominated industry. In addition to um, that first female mentor I've had, I have also developed either mentoring relationships or, or maybe a sponsors of people who I've worked with within the organization, either on different projects or different opportunities, that you develop that network. At, at this point of my career, I would say I've got a very strong global network across AFNET because of my time in Europe and the global role that I've had for the past nine years. Um, but a lot of the mentoring I've had since my uh, initial female mentor have been men that I have worked with that have taken an interest in my career or have uh, seen fit to, to help uh, help me when I go to them for, for support or guidance. And I imagine at this point you find opportunities to be a mentor yourself. I actually do. I have a, a number of people that I'm mentoring, um, and that's something that I think is, is can be very powerful, but it's also something I think needs to be um, somewhat natural as well uh, because I think in a real uh, meaningful mentoring relationship, you, you need to work together. I've had people request me to help mentor them, but I can I feel like I can give guidance if the, for, for someone that I don't know well or I don't work with on a regular basis. But a, a true mentoring relationship, I think, requires an ongoing um, time that you spend together. And, and I'm very pleased that I'm in an oper uh, position uh, where I'm sought out to mentor people within my organization to, to help them with their career challenges. Yeah, it's also important that you take the role seriously and that if you're going to be a mentor, you're going to commit yourself to it, as you say. Absolutely, and I think it's it's both ways. Because sometimes in, in today's society, it seems like people think mentoring is um, a magic uh, part of career progression. But I think, I think it's very valuable, and, and I've benefited greatly from people who have taken an interest in my career, so I definitely want to do the same, but I think it, it's a two-way street. If I'm spending time wa wanting to mentor someone, I want that person to also find it very meaningful and, and be prepared for the discussions we're going to have to make them meaningful, and you know, a lot of times it doesn't have to be a formal agenda. But I do want to make sure we're 
you know, covering topics that are meaningful to them, addressing areas where they're looking for guidance and talking about how we can work together to look at ways to enhance their career progression. I want to take a moment for a message from Amber Road. Amber Road would like to remind you to check out their new brief featuring research from Gartner entitled Maximize Supplier Collaboration and Procurement Performance. A multitude of forces drives today's need for greater inbound supply chain visibility and improved supplier collaboration. Gartner research found that organizations that are not using supplier portals to connect trading partners lack the visibility to leverage opportunities to collaborate. This research brief investigates how supplier portals generate cost savings through automation and provides expert recommendations on how to leverage portals to increase trading partner collaboration and reduce supplier risk. It also contains a case study on how Leggett and Platt used Amber Road's supplier portal solution to improve visibility over origin and supplier operations, reduce cycle times, streamline broker operations, and reduce broker fees. You may download and view the research brief from Amber Road's website, www.amberroad.com. And now, back to the podcast. Now, Avnet has at least two other women in high executive positions. Stella Lowe, Vice President, Logistics and Operation in the Asia-Pacific region. Marianne McDonald, Vice President of Global Transportation. Talk to me about Avnet's own diversity program. Does it have an active program to attract a diverse number of, of, of employees of both genders and uh, ethnic uh, origins as well? Oh, absolutely. In fact, our chief human resources uh, officer is a woman as well. And we have very active roles that we have to increase uh, diversity in the workplace, not just gender, but all areas of diversity. Avnet absolutely values the fact that multiple uh, people coming together and being part of a team just simply make better decisions when it comes to that. So we have active roles in how we look to enhance or attract and uh, maintain uh, our, our female population. I'm actually a member of the Avnet Executive Women's Forum. So we have a formalized group within Avnet that promotes networking opportunities um, for females within Avnet, and, and again, kind of that mentoring relationship and opportunities to get together and, and discuss the challenges that are faced by women in the workforce. Okay, now I'm going to start, I'm going to tread onto some shaky ground now. Uh, by quoting to you a study that was done last year by SCM World, in which the respondents were asked, do you believe the natural skill sets of women differ from men? 75% of the women who responded answered yes. About 25% said no. So I want to ask your opinion. Is there such a thing as natural skill sets that break down by gender? And if so, what might those be from a female perspective? You know, I, I think that there are common skills uh, to leadership and values that are typically held by women. Um, women are 
and and not to say that these are not skills that men have as well. This is just my uh, feelings about how the skill sets that women have. So women are very strong at building a team while still being attuned to individual members of their their team. I also think collaboration and, and communication are areas that women have strong skill sets in, as well as creativity. I think that um, a lot of these skills really lend themselves to leadership um, because of that sensitivity in those areas. I also think that women are great at multitasking. Um, I know from my perspective, I sometimes feel that my life as a working mother with a job that requires a great deal of travel is simply managing one constant supply chain to make sure everything runs smoothly. So I think there are areas that women have that, that I, with their ability to identify talent and encourage people to work in a very collaborative fashion that I believe um, you know, are significant areas that they uh, excel in. But don't you think we tend, we're in danger of falling into a trap when we talk that way? Because if we say, well, there's certain things that women do really well, aren't we also implying there's certain things that women do not so well as men? Uh, and that can be kind of a, a dangerous conversation to have. Well, I certainly think that is true. And I think that one of the areas is women display leadership differently than men do. And that is also something that um, needs to be to be looked at and very very carefully, because you don't want to fall into that trap of uh, viewing something as being positive in one area and negative in another. Speaking as someone who goes to a lot of supply chain conferences and sits in audiences with a lot of supply chain executives and sees a sea of faces who looks a lot like me, a middle-aged male. I want to ask what your opinion is of uh, just how diverse is the supply chain field in general? You know, unfortunately, I think that the progress has been slow, has been somewhat slow with regards to diversity in the field of supply chain. I think a growing number of women are being educated in the field and acquiring the skills and experience to be effective supply chain leaders. Yet today, it's still predominantly led by men. Um, I think the slow rate of change is interesting um, when you look at the way that supply chain operations has changed and broadened and transformed over the years in the areas of logistics, transportation, distribution, planning, technology. At the same time, the speed of business has accelerated and the challenges and opportunities of moving, moving products throughout the global markets have multiplied. So the field is recognized as one with tremendous power for companies to achieve their goals, and there's complex problems to be solved and that constantly need to be addressed. So the role of the strategic supply chain leaders is expanding, yet I still think that the progress with regards to women supply chain leaders hasn't uh, so far kept up with the changing of the field. I think of it maybe in three different uh, areas. One is opportunity for advancement. One is opportunity for networking, and the third is compensation. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think, where are we in terms of those three things? Well, I, I would tell you, I think we are moving in the right direction uh, when it comes to increasing diversity in the supply chain. 
when we talked about those skills that women have that approach leadership, they're valuable in supply chain. I talked earlier about the strong skills that women have related to collaboration, communication, and creativity. If you think about supply chain, there's really natural tensions that need to be addressed when managing a supply chain model. Uh, An example is how much inventory should be held, which geography should it be held in to manage logistics costs and ensure production goals are met, while at the same time ensuring that inventory levels don't get too high and that inventory turns are accomplished and excess inventory risk is mitigated. Women are good at compromising and gravitate towards problem solving. So when it comes to supply chain and the natural tensions that inevitably will remain in all the supply chain decisions, women are good at, at determining what those potential solutions could be. I also think anytime you have a diverse group of people um, working together, you come up with a, a better solution. You know, I, I heard a statistic the other day that women, you know, are the majority of consumer spend comes from women when you think with managing the household spend and what have you. So if that if they're a greater portion or a, a good portion of this consumer spend, they'd be a good uh, indicator for the supply chains that are required to support those requirements. Is there still a compensation gap? You know, I, I absolutely believe all of the studies I've, I've, I've seen say that, yes, there is still a compensation gap between women and men in all areas, uh, not just supply chain. And that's something that I think that is always a bit challenging. Uh, it's, for me, a bit of a head-scratcher that that still exists today, that someone would actually be paid a different wage for doing the same job based upon gender. Um, and I think it's a, it's a challenging one to address. I, I don't really personally, like I said, I can't understand why that would be the case. And I hope that it is something that is continuously addressed to be resolved because equal pay for equal work just seems like it should be a given in today's society. And don't you think that female executives today are still being asked to make choices, uh, lifestyle choices that no man is ever asked to make? You know, I, I attended an, an event the other day, and it was interesting. It was actually Cheryl Sandberg who, who was speaking at the event, and she, she asked people to raise, she asked the women, raise your hand if you've ever been asked if you've, if you think, or if you've ever been asked, that you should spend less time at work so you can devote more time to your family. And, you know, just about every woman's hand in the audience went up. And then she's asked the men the same question. Has any man ever been asked, should you devote less time to your career and more time to your family? And not a single hand was raised during that discussion. And I, I found it very interesting because I do think that there is an expectation that women, um, and, and in a lot of cases women do more, of of the parenting or of the household work. But there is still that expectation that it's harder for a woman woman or a woman has to make those sacrifices. Um, And I know myself, I have have two children and I've worked their entire lives and it's manageable. It's it's juggling. It's like I said, one one ongoing supply chain, but I certainly think it's it's manageable to achieve both a level of career success and 
um, a successful home life. It just requires uh, work by everyone involved to, to reach that goal. Well, Cheryl Sandberg's lean-in message, though, can be very difficult to uh, to achieve if you're not at her level of achievement, her level of, uh, of income, and the opportunities that she has to uh, reach out to others to help her balance her life. So I, I wonder if that's a good message or a bad message for women today. Well, I know during my career, I certainly had times where I did not have the resources, um, the financial resources for any outside help. And it was my husband and I, you know, handing children off at the door and both of us working very diligently to uh, try and maintain uh, the household that enabled that success. So I've, I've heard both sides of, of that story of it is a little easier when, when you have higher level of income to be able to manage both. Um, however, if you go back to the previous comment about uh, equal pay, uh, for women and men, hopefully if, if that gets changed and, and becomes more of a, a standard, we'd see some changes in that aspect as well. You ever get tired of having this conversation? I mean, do you wish that I would talk to you for a half an hour just about your job as an executive, or do you think it's important to continue to have the diversity conversation? You know, it's interesting. It's only recently that I've actually... Uh, started having conversations regarding diversity because I've never uh, thought of myself as a female executive. I've just viewed myself as an executive within the Avnet organization. And it's, it's recently become more of the forefront that I do believe that it is the responsibility of women who have achieved a level of success in their careers to make a difference and, and to show that there are opportunities to others who are considering a career in supply chain, for instance. I was asked to go to ASU recently and speak to their STEM group, that's the science, technology, engineering, and math, um, about working in supply chain. And it was a combination of men and women in the audience, but most of the majority of the questions I had were from the young women in the audience wondering um, how to successfully manage both uh, a career and a life, and I think that career that career work balance work life balance is always a bit of a struggle because th- there's there's always an, a natural tension there as well, and I think just through prioritization um, planning and the fact that technology is changing the environment of the workplace today will enable better solutions for future generations of working mothers. Well, Lynn Terrell, thank you so much for those candid observations and insights on your role as a successful executive at Avnet. Good luck to you, and I guess we will definitely hope for a more diverse supply chain environment going forward, but thanks a lot for being with us today. Thank you very much, Bob. I enjoyed it. We'd like to thank Amber Road for sponsoring this podcast. Amber Road Solutions use a combination of enterprise-class software, intelligent trade content, and a global trade network that connects supply chain participants such as importers, exporters, freight forwarders, customs brokers, and transportation carriers. To learn more, please visit www.amberroad.com or email solutions at amberroad.com.
Well, that was my conversation with Lynn Terrell of Avnet. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch nearly 2,000 videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. See you next time.